0: what's up y'all we're back with another episode of the caleb jackson show where i sit here and talk about whatever i want with whoever i want and i'm somewhat unapologetic for it so (laughs) i guess i don't know but like always available on both apple music and spotify apple music is where you can leave your reviews or comments and anything just let me know how i'm doing or even just let me know your thoughts on the podcast and whatnot uh As always, I post them on Twitter and Snapchat and Instagram, so where you see on Twitter, you can just leave in the comments how you feel. Of course, retweet, like, and follow on both App Music and Spotify, and follow on Twitter as well at underscore Caleb Jackson underscore if you don't already. And without further ado, we will get into it. So I'm kind of about to get off of my, uh, I guess, social, social justice issue, social issue, um, soapbox i guess after my legalization pro-life pro-choice all lives matter uh sometimes but uh I'll, i'm gonna get back to i'm gonna get back on those after a while but uh got the one you know some leisurely stuff after a while because you know everybody likes some leisure in their life you know can't always be serious you know you can't take yourself too serious if you taking yourself too serious stop you know you're not having fun but that's what i'm doing i'm having fun and like i said we're already 10 episodes in this is my 10th episode so i guess a little mile marker for me a little celebration, yay! But uh like I said, I'm not. I don't plan on stopping anytime soon. So we're just uh, we'll get it rolling. Uh, like we'll get it rolling. We're already rolling, and I don't plan on stopping anytime soon. So without further ado, we're gonna get into the topic. So I, if you don't know, I, I love football. I mean, I mean, I live in Texas. And if you don't live in Texas, you don't live in if you live in America, and you don't like football. Uh, I don't want to say that. I mean, everybody has their opinions, but you know, just. We can explain it to people because people say football is confusing, and it's really not. You just got to pay, try to pay attention as best as you can, but it's not a really hard game. But I'm going to focus on one certain team, or one certain subject for that matter, as you can see by the title of this podcast, is can A&M, Texas A&M football, break the glass ceiling? And what I mean by that is, and to me, A&M's always been kind of like a middle of the pack kind of... Uh, Kind of team, I guess. Uh, and I kind of turned into an AM critic around when I was in eighth grade. I mean, uh, that's that's actually when I started not liking AM. I don't know if it was the fans bothering me. It's fun to mess with AM fans because, you know, like y'all like Cowboys fans. It's, just, it's fun to do. But I, I wouldn't necessarily call myself an AM fan, but I like to see AM win, kind of thing. And so uh, I'm going to talk about them for a little bit on here. You know, and just why they can't break that glass ceiling, to me at least. So, uh of course when I'm, I'm from college station, so A and M's basically backyard. Uh and I I've always I always liked A and liked going to games, like especially when I was younger. The first A and M game I went to was oh nine. I went with my friends Grayson and Noah. Uh shout out to my boys Grayson and Noah. They probably I don't wonder if they remember that, but if y'all do remember that, let me know. Um but that was the, uh, I think it was Grayson's birthday, we went to Oklahoma, Oklahoma, A&M-Oklahoma State game when I was about nine or ten years old, I, I remember, from what I remember, yeah. And so, next game I went to was uh, 2011, um, when uh, A&M with my friend Fletcher, shout out to Fletcher, Fletcher goes to LSU right now, LSU just won that national title, I know they're happy down there, but uh, A- that was when A&M played Baylor, I believe, in 2011, and that was pretty probably one of my favorite games to go to uh actually number two favorite game to go to uh, from what I remember of course because that was uh when Tannehill was playing at A&M and Swope was playing at A&M and then of course it's 2011 so you know who the who was playing for Baylor at the time was uh RG3 you know that was, uh, it was fun to watch him play he would get a chance to you know, see him play at the time so the next game I went to, uh, my friend Patrick took me to a bunch of games. Shout out to Patrick for taking me all those AM games. Uh we went to a Lamar game, a Rice game, I can't remember the years on those, but uh the next game I went to, which is the one I remember, I think it was the last AM game I went to, was the twenty fifteen Alabama game. And that was when Alabama won the national title that year. And that was when that whole AM controversy was going quarterback controversy was going on. And that was also when Derrick Henry won the Heisman. And let me tell you, just being on the sideline, those Alabama dudes, like, you hear big, those dudes from Alabama are, like, another, well, D1 football players in general, well, football players in general, you know, so to speak, or big, but, you know, for some reason, Alabama just seemed like a bigger version of big, if if you get what I'm saying, I guess. I don't know, you gotta be, you gotta, like, see them, <laughs> you gotta literally see them to get what I'm talking about. If you know what I'm talking about, then, you know, then you know. Um, but, that was the last time I really, uh, I really actually, you know, watched the A&M game. I mean, I, I like watching all their games, uh, but, you know, like twenty twenty twelve 2012 when I started kind of being a critic, kind of like, okay, look, A&M's got to like do something. I, I guess, I guess it was just being, a, being a call station and, you know, just hearing all this good stuff about A&M, but personally not seeing any kind of, uh, you know, strides or any kind of, you know, meaningful, um trophies or anything for A&M, so that's just my my opinion, you know, opinions are like assholes, everybody has one, but I'll just state that, so my A&M comparison, A&M to me is kind of like the Michigan of the SEC, if you get what I'm talking about, because you gotta keep in mind, uh, I'll talk about this later, it's the SEC, and so A&M's kind of like, uh, no, as opposed to the Big Ten, you know, there's Ohio State, and they're like the, you know, (laughs) <laughs> There's a the top team in the Big Ten, of course. You know, Michigan, every year Michigan tries to make a run at them, and uh, they get smacked or smacked around. I can't remember the last time. I think the last time Michigan beat Ohio State was, uh, I think, Braxton, was Braxton Miller? I might have been when Braxton Miller was playing. I'm not too sure about that, but uh, if, uh, if I'm wrong, let me know. But it seems like Michigan can't catch a break when it comes to Ohio State. But, you know, if A&M had stayed in the Big 12, because A&M left the Big 12 in 2012, and then uh, joined the SEC in 2012. So, if A&M left... If it was still in the Big 12 right now, you know, they would still be... Uh, they'd probably be a powerhouse by now. And right now, they're more like a a wannabe powerhouse, I guess. Uh, like, you know, you have a, a decent team, but, you know, you just can't break that... Like I said, can't break that glass ceiling, you know, for some reason. But uh, I'll give my reasoning on it here in a second. You know, just bear with me. I'm just rambling right now. But... Sorry for mumbling. I'll stop mumbling. I'll speak loudly. Shout out to Kyle. Kyle telling me. My friend Kyle Faro telling me I need to stop mumbling. So I will try my best, Kyle. Thank you for the update. <laughs> no, yeah, for real. Like, let me know how I'm doing. Let me know if there's anything I need to fix. You know, I'm trying to get this right. But at the same time, you know, I'm just going to have fun with it. But like I was saying, if A&M stayed in the Big 12, they'd be, you know, probably duking out with Oklahoma every year for the uh, Big 12 championship. It would still be fun to see A&M play Texas as well because that's always a fun game to watch. But uh, and it'll be fun to watch uh Baylor and A and M play because Baylor had well not so much we'll we'll see this year, but uh, you know Baylor had that re- uh, little rejuvenation of, of rejuvenation I don't even know if that's a word but uh Baylor kind of had a renaissance when it came to football they had a you no know, up year last year, and watching them was fun it was fun to watch Baylor play last year but uh of course Matt Rule the former head coach of Baylor's gone but uh like I said it's the SEC for A and M so they have to. You know, to be a top-tier SEC team, you got to go through the Big Five, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, LSU, Auburn. And, you know, the thing about the SEC is that any team on any given week can bust you in the mouth when they want to. You know, like even, even Vanderbilt can, you know. Because, you know, so A&M's kind of like the top of the lower tier of the SEC. Like, it'll probably be the Big Five and then AM right after them. And the main reason I'm saying this is like, a&M just has to you know make a make a move at some point. You know what I mean? Because if you look at it like this, you know A&M and Missouri or well, Mizzou both joined the SEC in 2012, and Mizzou was at the conference championship game before A&M was. You know, if you want to put things in perspective like that. So, I'm just, that's, that's all I'm saying. A&M got to make a move, but uh, I'll get I'll get into into it a little bit more. But uh, I'm gonna just take a quick dive into the history of A M. because, like I said, A&M has been a perennially to me, a perennially uh, decent team over the years. Uh, not really necessarily a perennial, perennial powerhouse, but they've been—they're uh, one of the more storied programs in all of college football. You know, it's kind of one of those teams where everybody—everybody everybody knows who Texas A&M is. You know, if you don't know who A&M is, you crawl from under a rock, I guess. But A&M football—football football started way back for a and way back in 1903. This is from SportsReference.com. 1903, A&M had a 73 record, and they were an independent, and so from 19, uh, so from what it says here, from 1915 to, whenever they stopped, wait, wow, Uh, 1915 to 1995, AM was in the Southwest Conference, and so the last AM team to win a, and I'll tell a fans this a lot, because it makes them mad, I'm like, look, the last time y'all won national title was 1939. You know, and the last time, you know, A&M had a Heisman winner was before, of course, Mr. Uh, Mister Football. And I'll get to him in a second. But uh, that was 1957 with uh, John David Crowe, I believe. And that was when Bear Bryant was the coach. You know, and that's cool. It's actually cool that Bear Bryant was the coach at A&M. That's, I like that, actually. You know, cause Bear Bryant's one of the greatest college football coaches of all time. And I'll probably do a podcast on that, actually, later, later on. But anyway, that's beside the point. So, AM had kind of like a, oh, the 60s were horrible for A&M. Oh, wow. 59. Well, no, it started starting in 58. 4 and 6. 1959, 3 and 7. 1961 and 6. 1961, 4 and 5. Yeah, A&M didn't break seven wins from 58, 1958 to 19... 19- 66 from here they had seven wins in uh 1967 and after that and then we're just struggling back to back to back and then it says here when coach emily emily emory bellard excuse me uh was the coach they had a little bit of a start, started having a little turn for for the better uh like i said this is all in the southwest conference and who was in the southwest conference actually let's look this up because that's actually a... I wasn't alive back then, of course. So I don't think anybody that's listening... And, and if you're listening and you were alive back then, let me know. Uh, because I kind of want to get a count of... Uh, well, not an account, but... Uh, I want to hear what y'all have to say from... Uh, from living in, that, living in that era and actually watching football. Like I said, if you happen to be listening and you were alive back then to see a and play, let me know. But Southwest Conference... Let's see here. That's another thing, ain't the... College football has so many different... Or college sports in general has so many different conferences. Now, I remember back when there was the, uh, the Big East and that, all that controversy. And was, I'll probably, like I said, I'll probably do something on that too. So, Southwestern Conference was made up of Arkansas, Baylor, U of H, uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma a and Phillips, Rice, SMU, Southwestern, Texas, Texas AM, TCU, and Texas Tech. It's actually... Oklahoma, well oklahoma a&m was only in there from 1915 to 1925 so you can't really uh, put them in there but the ones who stayed in there till they dis- disbanded the southwest conference in 96 were baylor u of h rice let's see here texas texas a&m tcu and texas tech so nowadays I'll probably be actually actually probably be an exciting conference. Arkansas left in nineteen ninety one, but that'd probably be exciting an exciting conference nowadays, actually. It'd be pretty cool to see that happen nowadays. And that's one thing about the conferences, they're always subject to change, you know, so and it wouldn't be bad to see a nice little shakeup. You know, think about if uh not necessarily the NFL well, if it, they did do it like the NFL and kinda of shook it up, so you see teams like uh you know see what you saw A and M playing and like the I don't know, like that, like a midwestern conference where they played like Kansas State, Kansas, like just went through a strip of the, you know, uh, the middle of the middle of the United States, or something, or what or if they just had random schedules in the in the college football? If they, no, you know, see A&M play on A and M a week to week basis, play a team like Oregon, turn around play a team like Syracuse, and turn around play like Florida State or something. That would actually be pretty cool. I'm not gonna lie. Hopefully, hopefully one day they do that, and uh, but that's just a little history on AM. Now, uh now big history on a the where it gets where it gets good when a was actually you know considered a powerhouse and if you were if you know AM football then you know what I'm talking about 1989 when R.C. Slocum was the first was was his first year as a head coach R.C. Slocum coached from 89 to 2002 and so and they were in Southwest Conference and the Big 12 that's when they shifted Now, that was back when they had the wrecking crew defense. From what I've heard, I've never seen anything, but from what I've read and heard, that was a badass team, Uh, and R.C. Slocum was a badass coach. R.C. Slocum, his first five years saw a bowl game, each of his first five years. Um, It wasn't a bowl game in 94, but they won 10 games. That's weird. What happened? You know what happened in Washington? Let's look it up. 1994 college football. If you know what happened, let me know. Or uh, if you know more about it, but that's kind of weird, being that they had a 10 win season, but also, but but never did uh go to a bowl game. That's just weird. Um, let's see. Rashawn Salon won the Heisman that year. Uh, Virginia Cavaliers won the won the national title, but why wasn't there? any why wasn't there any football any football uh well there was football played but uh hmm I'm not gonna spend too much time looking at that I'm gonna keep talking to y'all I'm not gonna spend too much time looking at that but RC slocum posted ten win seasons four seasons in a row and then posted another 11 win season 11 win season excuse me if I'm mumbling an 11 win season in 98 and then was six and six in his last year in 02 and that's when Dennis French, Frenchyoun, Frenchyoun. I'm not familiar with that. That's before I started actually paying attention to A&M football. But uh, like when I first started paying attention to him, this is when this is when Mike Sherman, the Mike Sherman days come along. And uh, like I said, A&M seen you know a lot of conference, t- oh, not not conference title, but uh, bowl games. Excuse me, well, A&M seen a lot of bowl games in that span of time, but also lost a lot of bowl games in that span of time. Uh, oh I lost a lot of bowl games that been of time. I'll mumbling. Okay. But let's see. So R. C. Slocum, that was a he was a. from what I heard he was a badass coach. And so that gets us to around yeah, Mike Sherman, that was twenty ten, twenty eleven when uh that was when uh RG three won the Heisman, Tannehill. That was when some good football was being played, actually. Very, very good football. It was actually fun to watch football. It's still fun to watch football at all times, but growing up as a kid, being able to watch it, you know, getting, actually getting into it and stuff, but this is where I start, I stopped liking A&M and this is when I was, this is when I kind of started talking about the, you know, the glass ceiling and A&M just cannot break. And so 2012 season, so I've, I've been meaning to talk about this and finally get this off my chest. Uh, when Kevin Sumlin came in and the storm, the the complete storm happened. Uh, so you know what happened in 2012. Everybody knows what happened in 2012. You watch college college football at the time. Johnny Manziel took over the not not even just college football. He took over sports basically from 2012 to 2013 or 2012 to 2014. If you didn't know who Johnny Manziel was, you <laughs> you probably didn't live in America or something. But. um, 2012 was actually so Kevin Sumlin coached from 2012 to 20 to the 2017. Yes, 2017. So now here's where the beginning of the end started for Kevin Sumlin. Now let me let's talk about this real quick. Johnny Manziel, easily, I I will say right now, easily one of the best college football players of all time. Uh, not the best NFL player, as you can see, um, and I was really, really skeptic of that, I was like, you know, look, he's in a good system, uh, you know, you can't really do all that running around and all that backyard football in, at the next level, excuse me, excuse me, wow, but uh, even though he's in the SEC doing that kind of stuff, you know, you can't really sustain that at A&M, or in the in the pros, you know, for so long, but uh like I said, I will straight up say Johnny Manziel was, was one of the best college football players of all time. Heisman winner, first freshman to win the Heisman, so that says a lot about him. Uh, but that is when I that is when I say the beginning of the end for Kevin Summer was his very first year at A&M. So you got to look at it like this. So when Kevin Sumlin came in, you know it's a, supposed to be a new regime, and I was like, oh. first of all, first of all, I was like, ain't them am hiring a black head coach?" What? <laughs> I was kind of like, "That's okay." That was an anomaly, but um, so you come into the SEC, your first year, all right, you got new coach, new coaching staff. Uh, and keep in mind, Cliff Kingsbury was the offensive coordinator this time. Okay, that plays a big role in it, but um, so and if you actually look at the um, the coaching tree from uh, it starts off with uh, coaches like Mike Leach and look at the coaching tree that trickles down from him you got Lincoln Riley, um, Kevin Sumlin, uh, like Clint, Cliff Kingsbury, uh, Dana Hogerson from West Virginia. If, where's Dana Hogerson now? I'm not sure. But uh the the lineage of coaches that uh come from Mike Leach in that West Coast uh, spread offense is just uh, you know it's a it's a coaching tree for the ages. Uh, look, uh, somebody actually did a little. Uh, I watched a video. Uh, I think Brett, a guy named Brett Coleman, on YouTube makes all these football videos, and he touched on that a little bit. And it was really cool to find out all of that. Anyways, but uh, so 2012, you know, and him coming to the SEC, you know, SEC is the best conference in college football. You know, it's where the best football is played. It's where the best athletes are, and you still won't be able to convince me otherwise. But so you come into the SEC. You have a new coach, you know. You expecting, you know, new things. You know, and you're going to SEC. You know, you want to play some tougher competition. And a and left because they wanted to get out of the shadow of Texas. Um, honestly, Texas is not back. I I like Tom Herman as a coach. Um, he seems like he's a players. He's more of a players coach from what I've seen. You know, to go back to his U of H days. And it's funny because you know Kevin Sumlin came from U of H and Tom Herman came from U of H. So that that just shows you how stuff kind of works with those coaching trees. But, uh, you kind of got to look at it like this. A&M and, uh, well, first of all, Texas, the only time Texas would have wiped the floor with A&M, 2018, I know, it, I know A&M and UT always go at it, but look, 2018, I'm going to be honest with you, UT would have wiped the floor with A&M, honestly. I mean, 2019, probably not, but 2018 season, yeah, UT would have handled A&M with, with probably, I want to say with ease, but they would have probably... It probably beat A&M. Anyway, let me get back on topic. But 2012, A&M comes to the SEC, and, you know, you got the, you know, it's like you got new head coach, you know, new conference and all that. And so you don't know what to expect. And then you have an explosion, like, the way what happened. So you, you come to the SEC, you know, best for conference football. You drop two games early on in the season to, you know, uh, what was it, LSU and Florida. And, you know, those are like, okay, you know, it's LSU and Florida. You can lose to them, you know, be okay. And so you do that, and then just go on a. And then a And M just goes on a. a excuse me, a And M goes on a tear from 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 then on. And I don't think they lost another game after. Was it where they lost to last? I think it was LSU they lost to last. But after that, a And M just goes on a complete tear. And I think the first game where the was really introduced to Johnny Manziel was either Arkansas or SMU game. But then you come in and you go into you go into Alabama with a freshman QB that's absolutely taken over college football, and you beat Alabama at home in your first year, <laughs> you know, it's, just, it's, it's unprecedented, you know, and then you go to the Cotton Bowl, you know, you, go, you got a 10-win season, go to the Cotton Bowl and then beat Oklahoma, your old, one of your old rivals from the Big 12, you know, how do you top that? And you got a Heisman, you got the first freshman Heisman winner, you know, so that really set the bar a little too high, and you know, honestly, it's just not sustainable. And what it really did was kind of paint a target on and back. I mean, 20, 2013, Johnny Manziel still kind of uh, still took over. No, you know, is he was still good? But uh, and M didn't have as good of a season because basically, you know, after that, you know, you got target painted on your back. And I can guarantee you, Nick Saban did not. Nick Saban lost sleep some nights after they lost and i I'm telling you, I, I even said it back then. I said, I hope y'all know A&M will never be Alabama again as long as Nick Saban's the head coach of Alabama. You know, because after that, after really getting embarrassed by a and Alabama still won the national title that year, but I can guarantee you Nick Saban did not lose. An, well, he lost some nights, some sleep, some nights uh, thinking about it, that loss to A&M. But 2013 comes around, and, you know, uh, they had all the Johnny Manziel controversy, which at the time I thought he should get his eyes, or he should have some stricter, you know, some stricter uh penalties for what he did with the whole signing autographs for money thing you know but uh being that he took reggie bush take reggie bush's heisman away and then took vacated the you know the national title from usc and vacated the whole season that's just that's that is too much to me but uh and then johnny gets a half game suspension that's not that's beside the point so not not no nine and four in 2013 you know, good year. Chick-fil-A ball win. Johnny's still electrifying. But uh, that's when, you know, after Johnny left. And I don't think Johnny should have left uh, after his sophomore season. Uh, because I think probably 2015 A&M probably couldn't have won national title. Or 2014 or 2015 A&M probably could have won national title if Johnny was still there. And if Mike Evans was still there, and it might you already know. Mike Evans was an absolute beast, and still is an absolute beast in the NFL, and honestly, you know, no Mike Evans, no Johnny, I'll, I'll say that right now, uh, Mike Evans bailed Johnny out a lot, but 2014 comes in, I think I remember Kyle Allen was the new quarterback for A&M, and 2014, A&M had an 8-5 and five season, I really don't even remember the 2015 season like that, like I remember 2015 and 2016 seasons, um, 2015 was when it got bad uh, with the quarterback controversy with uh, Kyler Murray and... um, Kyler Murray and... uh, uh, Kyle Allen, I just said it, excuse me. But um, that was when the whole quarterback controversy, you lose two quarterbacks in the same year. And, you know, now they're both in the NFL. So, that kind of... I don't want to say Kevin Sumlin's a bad uh, head coach, but uh, he didn't didn't really have a... He had an okay tenure at A&M. He didn't have a bad A&M career uh, or... A bad stint at a&m but i mean he wasn't a terrible coach but i mean stuff could have been done a lot better in my eyes now i get to 2016 and this was i'm still a critic from you know a high critic from 2012 to 2015 because i just hated hearing about a&m hated hearing about a and because post johnny you know you're supposed to now everybody expects these these kind of seasons. Okay, you're 11 2 your first season. Okay, now we expect at least 10 wins each season, you know. And in the SEC, you know, it's just hard to sustain 10 wins each season. So, now 2016, I will say that is the year I wanted to see AM. I, that's actually a team I thought should have been, I personally thought should have been competing for a national title because um, that was a pretty good team from what I've seen, from what I saw. Um, with the, with the offense and the defense they had that year, I would have loved to see. Cause Trevor Knight was a, he was a, an exciting quarterback to watch. wasn't necessarily a quote unquote good quarterback. He was a good quarterback. I'll, I'll say that. But uh, he was also really, really exciting. I was excited for a And M that season. And the the game I remember from that 2016 season. Two games I remember actually. I'll tell. I'll say them right now. Uh, actually, it was 2015. No, 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 no it was the end of the, so the first game I remember was the end of the 2015 season when the music, music city bowl. Yes. Because that was when I first got injured. Well, when most people first got introduced to Lamar Jackson. And if you saw that game, like I watched that game live and I was like, who is number eight? Like that guy, <laughs> that guy's kind of good. And then of course, next season he wins the Heisman and gets absolutely destroys college football altogether. But 2016, I thought an A&M should have definitely been competing for a national title. Um, they had some pretty and Trevion Williams was there too. Travion Williams, I, it was funny cause I saw him in uh saw him in public a few times, and I was like, "You are short," but uh, I mean, I'm I'm short too. But I mean, I'm looking eye to eye with him. And I'm like, "Man, let me get on the field, coach." Anyway, but uh, 2016, A&M probably should have been competing for a national title. Of course, everything happened and whatnot, so. You know, it's here, and, it's here and gone now. But uh, I remember watching the Tennessee game. And that was an exciting game to watch. 2016 A&M versus Tennessee. Go watch it if you didn't watch it. And that was when uh, Alvin Kamara really uh, tore a and M ass up. But uh, A&M still won the game. But Alvin, you can tell Alvin Kamara was a little star. But, uh, of course, you've seen the NFL nowadays. He's uh, still arguably one of the best running backs in the NFL. But the whole entire time I was really skeptical of A&M's defense because I – Honestly, I think I'm not gonna say trash because you know they're better, obviously they're good athletes, but compared to other schools, a And ms secondary this whole time was just kind of eh. But uh, you know, year 2017, and uh, it's really uh, that's when you already knew the season was gonna go bad after the first game when they uh, L, when a And M lost to UCLA. the was it? A, how many points comeback was it? The 35 point comeback, 36 something like that. I, I remember. UCLA was down like was it forty five to ten at one point and then came all the way back and beat a And M in the final seconds. I still couldn't believe that actually, um, and that's when everybody thought Josh Rosen was going to be the guy. But you know, you see what happened. But uh, that was really that was really when everyone knew okay, if someone's out. You know, he's going, they're going to let him go at the end of the season. So twenty eighteen comes around, and this is when you got Jimbo Fisher. Now I was actually working in Northgate at this point and so i'll work game days at, at the bar every every saturday if you, you knew me back then you still know me you, then you know where i was on saturdays but that was actually an exciting season because when when jimbo fisher got hired as a and m's new head coach i was it was actually a surprise to me i didn't think it was going to happen But, uh, when I said it happened, I was like, okay. And if you don't know about Jimbo Fisher, look him up. Look up his resume. He had a pretty, he had a really, really good career at Florida State. Had a Heisman winner and national title. Uh, but, not not knocking Jimbo Fisher, but you gotta keep in mind, he inherited a really, really stout program. You know what I mean? He didn't have to really necessarily rebuild a program from scratch. But uh, he inherited the program from Bobby Bowden. If you don't know who Bobby Bowden, is look him up. Bobby Bowden. I Need to enunciate my words. But if you don't know who Bobby Bowden is, please look him up. He's one of the, another one of the guys who is considered one of the best co- coaches of all time in college football. But A and M actually another eight and four season, and A and M had that string of eight and four, seven and five from twenty thirteen or twenty fourteen to twenty seventeen, and still going on right now. And like I said, it's hard to. You know, keep those high winning seasons in the SEC because you know it's the SEC, and quite frankly, in the SEC, any team can beat you any given week. You know, even like I said, even Vanderbilt, Kentucky, uh I mean, South Carolina, always you know always lurking, and so that's it's like I said, it's the SEC. So you know, you gotta you gotta be on your toes at all at all times, each week, week after week. But uh, that, I remember that Clemson game from twenty eighteen, and that was. Should A&M win that game? Was, was the ball out of bounds? Who knows? Um, but I, that's when A&M really kind of, you know, stepped, you, you I knew there was some a uh, little bit of juice with A&M this season, you know. So, now I'm going to get get into uh, answering the actual question, the big topic at the top of the show, is why hasn't A&M broken the glass ceiling? And for Kevin Sumlin, I'd say it was the recruiting, you know. Um, I, from what I've seen, and it's me personally, Uh there were a lot of better guys a And M could have recruited. Um, I when it comes to recruiting out of high school, this is from when I just from what I saw from uh being at Blend for a little bit and just being on the spring team. Uh, not trying to toot my own horn or anything, but um, from what I saw there, you know, I, that's why I really got a feel for how recruiting is. And um, I saw guys who had you know legitimate D one talent, you know. But, uh, either got overlooked or didn't have good grades or, uh, I even, there's even one guy there that, uh, he actually transferred from Auburn, I believe, and then went to Ohio State. And, uh, a lot of lazy recruiters, too, at the JUCO level. I'll talk about that later, actually. That'd be a good podcast to talk about. But, um, yeah, no, A&M just has to handle recruiting, you know. And you, to handle recruiting, I go back and look at, uh, Miami in the 80s, you know, if you watch the U documentary, uh. This tells you Miami had to lock down the state of Miami. You know what I mean. So anything from about, I think it was Tampa to, uh, I think it was a Daytona Beach, and think after, uh, I I'm not sure actually. Quote me if I'm wrong, but you know they just basically just cut the uh, cut Florida in half and said everything down. Don't let anybody go to Florida State. Don't let anybody go to University of Florida. These are all, recru- all recruits. If they get out of Miami, do not let any top recruits get out of the Miami uh, metropolitan area. I didn't have Miami, the city of Miami. Don't let anybody get out of the city of Miami, but more importantly, don't let anybody get out of the state of Miami. Basically, is what they called it. So that's kind of what A and M has to do. It's hard in the state of Texas because you got team, like I said, you got U of H, Rice. I mean, guys still want to go to Rice. Rice is more of a you know. You gotta have really good grades to get into Rice. Not saying you guys don't have good grades, but you know you gotta do a little more. You got it's like almost like the cream of the crop almost. You gotta have blue blue chip athletes. But like I said, not everybody wants to go to Rice. You know they want the big lights. But like I said, you got Rice, U of H, TCU, Baylor, Texas, SMU, Tech. Uh, like I said, the list goes on and on about how many schools are in Texas and how many schools are constantly you know recruiting you know, high high profile players. So, still, you know, you got teams like LSU, uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State that are still dipping their hands in Texas. You know, well, each state dips their hands in Texas, honestly, because Texas has the best football. Okay, talk about some. If you saw on Twitter, you know, talking about Georgia got the best football, get, get out of here, man. It's, Texas has the best football. But basically, A&M has to handle the recruiting problem. And from what I saw, you know, Especially going to Texas A&M, or oh, being living in College Station and seeing Texas A&M recruit, there was a lot of guys who in, who lived in College Station who I felt like could easily be at A&M and be you know playing at a high level. But that's just what I, just from my perspective at least. Um, but you know, A&M guys now, nowadays you know Jimbo Fisher you know you can tell A&M's looking in the backyard you know because we have some pretty good athletes in this little area. And I get I probably do another recruiting podcast actually about recruiting and more in depth about football and stuff. But now the question is the biggest question is can a break the glass ceiling? And my answer is yes. So twenty twenty is coming. So twenty twenty here actually, and the twenty twenty season is coming. Hopefully, it gets played after all this COVID nineteen stuff. But uh, I think a And M has to make a move some point um, and get another ten win season under the belt. And I think it'd be this year because uh, for a few reasons. Uh, one, Jimbo Fisher has, you know, finally got his guys in there, got his recruits in there. And uh, Kellen Mond, uh is now a senior. And so, you know, got, got to come out with a little chip on his shoulder. And uh, you, you got some, uh well, good, well I'll stop. I'll, I'll get to that in a second. Kellen Mon actually my dark, personally my dark horse to win the Heisman this year. Uh, I think he can do it from what i see he i don't know i don't know about anybody else let me know in the comments but he just looks stiff as hell when he's playing like i, I mean if you know what i'm talking about then you know but i don't know he just looks like he just needs to loosen up when he's playing i feel like he loosened up a little bit you know just kind of give a little shimmy and shake it off you know he'd be he'd be all right because he's you, you see him make some good plays you know and then sometimes kind of like what is going on and i don't know if it's play calling or uh the system, because Jimbo Fisher runs the NFL system, so, uh, you know, it's a lot of, you know, line of scrimmage reads and everything, and a lot of uh, check downs and whatnot, but uh, I think Monk can do it, you know, like I said, you do need to loosen up, now, of course, A&M has Isaiah Spiller, and Isaiah Spiller had a phenomenal freshman season, that boy can run the football, um, but I think 2020 A&M can do it, and like I said, uh, like I was about to say, um, you know, you, you can catch... Teams like Alabama and LSU sleepwalking this year, maybe. You know, of course we know Alabama. You no, know, they have a tendency to not really have to rebuild programs, but they just reload in the year. Same with LSU. Now, LSU does have a lot of young players on their team, so but you know they got to replace Joe Burrow, and they lost a lot of guys in the draft. Same thing with Alabama and Florida and Georgia and all of them. They always got guys going to the draft. But I feel like AM can actually, you know, make that run in the SEC now while it's I'm not saying they need a weak SEC, but you know, now is when you can, you know, make a statement, you know, at while all these teams are quote unquote either reloading or rebuilding. So it has yet to be seen, you know. Like I said, just handle that defense problem. Uh one thing about the defense is like I said, like I said earlier, if I if I didn't say it earlier, I'm sorry and I'm tripping. But uh AM secondary is an issue. Okay, so just to put things into perspective, if A&M wants to be playing, you know, let's say top level football, that secondary's got to get a lot of like, got to get a lot of turnovers. Not the defense got to get a lot of turnovers, but secondary's got to get that ball back. Uh, it's like look, perspective. A&M had a seven five season last year, and they only well, seven and five, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. Eight and four, seven and five. I'm look. I should be look. I had it pulled up just now. I'm tripping. Uh, yeah, this is eight and five, eight and five season. Excuse me, I was talking about conference play. Excuse me, but uh, as as opposed to um, so, A A&M had A defense had ten interceptions, and uh, as opposed to say L- Ole Miss's defense, Ole Miss had ten interceptions and had a four and eight season. You know what I mean? I mean two different you know scenarios. But if you look at teams like the A and M, you know wants to be you know up there competing with, you know, LSU had seventeen interceptions last season. As a whole and Alabama had 17 interceptions l- last season as a whole and you know, just turned the ball over They got the lo- those balls turned over, you know back to the offense a lot more so A&M's defense got to really step it up. And I think that happens like I said once Jimbo puts his system in there And like I said it has yet to be seen. I hope and I really do hope and I'm not saying hoping but Necessarily, but it'd be nice to see a&m having some uh, having some good winning seasons. That's just my opinion. So but like I said, you know, Kelamon, loosen up. And Kellen, if Kelamon Kellen happens to be playing, man, bro, lo- oh, happens to be listening to this. Like, bro, loosen up. Bro, like, you got to kind of, I guess you got to remember that, you know, he's Kelamon, you know. But when it comes, like I said, recruiting and just, you know, on the field play, you know, which is basically, you know, what you need to win games. But if, if they can get that down. You know, the sky's the limit for A&M. Like I said, just handle that recruiting. You know what I mean? It's hard in the state of Texas. Especially, you know, coming out of the East Texas. I come out of East Texas because a lot of those guys go to LSU, Alabama. <coughs> excuse me. LSU, Alabama, and, you know, Ole Miss and whatnot. But, uh, now actually going back to AM's, uh, players, uh, Justin Matabike was actually a really, really good defense tackle from what I saw. And uh, from what I personally saw in the, uh, during the season. And, uh, I actually find I'm actually kind of mad now that I think about it that so with the Houston Texans I'm of course I'm a Texans fan if you haven't listened to my uh Pray for your Texans podcast uh, episode uh, go listen to it but I find it a uh, almost a crime that uh the receiver from AM, Courtney Davis went undrafted especially after what happened with Houston like and uh, man don't get me started uh, cuz Courtney Davis was actually a pretty good player and actually no NFL caliber receiver from what I saw and the fact that he went undrafted is kind of a, it's kind of a travesty. honestly, and the fact that Houston, everything with DeAndre Hopkins, and Houston didn't even take Courtney Davis. Like, it's, uh, don't get me started. I've been rambling too long, but yeah, that's how I see a And M uh, coming out on top basically. And if they can't, if they need, if they should, oh, excuse me, they need to make a run in the next two to three years. And like I said, for them to get to, you know conference title or even the college football playoff, you know, they gotta go through they, they gotta go through the big five, which like I said, Auburn, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, LSU. They gotta go through all those teams. But like I said, it's the SEC, so, you know, you gotta go through the whole murderous row. And A and always has that little five game stretch of uh teams where you gotta uh where it's like it's like oh you call it like a murderous row almost, you know, you gotta play, you know, teams like South Carolina, Tennessee, Arkansas, just back to back to back. You know, this is where the best football is played, you know you know, week by week, you know, it just takes a toll on your team, so, but I think A&M can do it, um, like I said, not necessarily hoping, but uh, not necessarily like, oh my gosh, I hope A&M wins, but, you know, it would be nice to see them, you know, get some wins under the belt and you know, get some meaningful wins, and, you know, see, probably see them in the college football playoff eventually, and yeah. speaking of the playoff, uh, let me know, uh, just a little thing, let me know what you think of the, pl- the college football playoff system. If you just expand it to eight teams or six teams, I'll probably do another podcast on that. I'll probably have somebody on here with me. Probably have a group for that one, honestly, because that's that'd be a really good topic, really cool topic to have. But anyway, like I always say, look out for my podcast at, at all times. I'm starting to really release them on Wednesdays and Saturdays. But uh, like I said, keep listening. I will be talking, and I will see y'all. or oh, y'all gonna hear from me? See here? Oh. YouTube, you see people, but I probably have a YouTube channel after a while, maybe. But anyway, y'all get the gist. Alright, y'all be hearing from me soon. Have a good weekend. Alright, y'all be good.